Good morning, Pharmacy Podcast listeners. It's Ken Sturtfeld for The Concierge Hub. It's a Sunday conversation. Just got off the phone with my sister. We did a bagels with my sister Judith Adar Sturtfeld in Israel. It was a fun conversation. We spoke about doing something that's going to hopefully give a lot of people some joy. We're creating a share the moment, um, kind of a manuscript. I wrote a share the moment book when I lost my father-in-law five years ago, and it was very very, very cathartic for me. It gave me an opportunity to heal some of the pain, not nearly all of the pain. But today we're writing history, and today there are moments that we're all sharing. So anyway, on May 20th, we're going to have a lot of announcements, but that's not why I'm talking. Today I'm talking about precision medicine. As you know, if you don't know, I'll tell you, the first podcast I ever did was on the Pharmacy Podcast Network about pharmacogenetics. Todd Yuri reached out to me about, gosh, it's got to be three and a half years ago now, three years, who knows? Um, and he said, I'd like you to do a show on PGN, pharmacogenomics. It's an interesting topic. And from what I see, you know, you may be someone who can bring some uh, expertise. I said, Todd, I don't, I don't even listen to podcasts. I don't even, can't even spell podcast. Anyway, long story short, he set me up. He did everything he did. He sent me a nice coffee cup. I still have it on my desk. And he said, welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And I've been talking ever since. Can't shut me up. But we all talked about precision medicine in those days, and we talked about the ability that it's not one size fits all. It's not, uh, you know, the metabolism of a drug uh, is not made work for you, the same as it works for me. A lot of it is the same in the COVID en- environment, but it has nothing to do with medication. I'm not going to talk about hydroxychloroquine or ZPAX or things like that or zinc or dosing or regimens. I'm going to talk about precision healthcare for people right now who are dealing with which is about 300 million of us here in the United States, the fear, the anxiety, the, the tension of not knowing about this COVID virus and what it's going to do in the future. We can only see what it's done in the past, which is horrific. So when you talk about precision medicine, precision healthcare, people are depressed, they're isolated. Uh, their mental states are at a lowest ebb that they've ever been before. Were you to set a baseline encounter or a baseline data, which is what we do with our annual wellness visits, that we're now doing with patients remotely via telehealth to find out where are you? How do you feel? What's going on in your life? It's not a physical exam. Medicare wants to know how you're doing. Well, how everyone's doing is about as low as you can be. Medicare statistics indicate that about 40% of the recipients are depressed. It's got to be 140% right now. I'm depressed. I'm a Medicare recipient. I had three appointments last week. I I couldn't see the doctor. Yeah, two out of the three I got to see that pretty picture. That's not the same. Anyway, what about the people with chronic diseases? How do we stay in touch? What about the people who don't have COVID? Thankfully, my wife and I, knock wood, haven't been tested positive. We don't have the symptoms. Thank God. We're doing all the right things, social distancing, washing our hands, doing all of the things we have to do by self-quarantining and stay at home, stay at home, stay at home. Very hard for all of us, but stop complaining, Kenny. Nobody's complaining because nobody wants to hear it. We're all in the same boat. Are we going to get back? Yeah, we're going to get back. They're flattening the curve. Yeah, flatten the curve. Okay, still 600 people died today. 800 people died yesterday. It's just too much. So we have to keep the pedal to the metal. But what about precision medicine? How do we take care of people? Got a call this morning from Jerry Zimmerman. Jerry Zimmerman is, in my opinion, the concierge pharmacist emeritus. Jerry, had um, I met him when he was at CVS as a store manager in North Belmont. And we would sit across the table at regional business meetings. And Jerry came from 
I don't know, he must have been with CVS 25, 30, a long, long time before he was with TikTok Drug and then they were Genovese and then they bought this and bought that. Jerry's been in pharmacy and community pharmacy forever and then into the chain store environment uh, with CVS. And Jerry's a great pharmacist. Everybody loves Jerry. Jerry's doc. Jerry's like my dad. Well, they did an acquisition in that North Belmont store and they went from X number of scripts to like, you know, two times X number of scripts. I don't even remember the numbers, but it was stupid. And a lot of them were narcotics. They bought a uh, the store that had a huge amount of uh, a C2 inventory with a with a with a store that actually was kind of a, it's like the wild wild west, uh, for lack of a better word. Customers were expecting to get things that just couldn't get done in what is more of a well controlled or or out of control scenario at CVS when you talk about the volume. So they asked me to go in there and help because I guess I had developed a reputation as kind of being a, the acquired guy. When a store was acquired, uh, the first one was in uh, uh, Bayshore. It was my store. And there was a Rite Aid across the street. And we were doing about uh, about 1,400 prescriptions. And we were anticipating the Rite Aid uh, um, acquisition across the street uh, to get another 1,000 to go from like 1,400 to 2,400, 2,500. But uh, Dominica, the, uh, the um, supervisor came in and says, you know, we don't really get you know, 100%, maybe we get, you know, 40%, 50%, you know, but, you know, it's an opportunity to only make a first impression on these new customers. So we mobilized our staff. And we told them there's a freight came, freight train coming and we all got together. And long story short, uh, we collected 92% of those prescriptions, those thousand prescriptions. And we, the next thing we know, we were doing 2,400 prescriptions. And that's when 24 was under, it was a lot. Now 24 is like a, a day at the beach at CVS a week. But long story short, is that, you know, that experience showed me that you only have one chance to make that first impression and to do that. So I did it and they made me a Paragon winner and uh, great. And I said, super. I said, if I'm, and I had been with the company a year, less than a year. And I said to Dominica, I said, if I'm the best you got, uh, the territory really needs some help. And then I won it again the next year and emerging later. Uh, different story, different times. Not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is they used me in acquisitions, in the Merrick store, in the Belmore store, because I would go in there because you only have one chance to make a first impression and you have to be calm and people look at me like I'm a human Xanax. You can't get me annoyed. You can't get me aggravated. Nobody's going to push the, the number. The number doesn't mean anything when you focus on the patient. So I guess I was this calming scenario during chaotic store openings. Well, back to North Belmore in, in uh, Jerry, total chaos, total chaos. And here I was and he and I were sitting, standing on the bench I had disabilities. I had gone through uh, four surgeries in 14 months uh, the prior years to have my knees, both knees and both hips replaced. Jerry had a bad back. Jerry had uh, sciatica. Jerry had, you know, we're all, we're all, all guys, but great pharmacists who cared about the patients, cared about the staff, cared about the community. So the only thing that we couldn't do, because we got that store humming, we got that store doing, we kept the positive attitude of all those new uh, patients. Everyone got a smile. Everyone got a, uh, a wow, we're going to take care of you. Everybody good. And we took on all of that new business and we did it seamlessly. The only challenge was when a, when a vial would drop and we worked on the bench together, verifying the baskets and the baskets that were coming, like like in, like the Lucille Ball chocolate machine. They kept coming and coming and coming, and we kept verifying and verifying and doing it, and then running to the consultation window and talking to people, and then going to the C2 and doing this, and then doing their stupid action plans. Hey, what's going to do? You know, working on the action plans. Anyway, I can tell them now because Jerry's no longer with the company. We didn't do any of those action plans. We gave them to Dominic, who was the lead tech. Dominic, you do the friggin' action plan. We don't have time for this. I digress. Anyway, 
when a vial would fall on the floor, and it was between Jerry and I, and you had two disabled, hardworking pharmacists who were putting in shifts like nobody's business. I'd look at him and he'd look at me, and we go, no, it's just going to stay there. And it did until somebody came by and someone younger, someone more flexible, someone <laughs> someone with a little less, uh, uh, you know, a little less miles on the on the, the chassis. Uh, can, can you just do me a favor and just pick that up? So we laughed about that forever. Jerry's a dear friend. Jerry retired from CVS and Jerry moved to New Jersey to be with his family, his grandchildren. He would be in the, in the swimming pool, uh, um, you know, uh, playing volleyball with old ladies. And I would say, Jerry, really? Is, is that what it's come down to? But he's a wonderful, wonderful man. Calls me this morning. He says, I haven't spoken to you, you know, in about a month. I said, yeah, I know everything. All right. He says, well, we had a tough time. So what happened? You know, when you, when you hear that, you know, you, you, you catch your breath. What, you know, what's going on? Well, both his wife and himself had COVID-19 and they had some very difficult times, but they're fine. They're better. They, they, he's fine. His wife's still very weak and things like that and stamina, but Jerry's fine. And he said to me, Ken, I just have, then we talked a little bit about things that were going on with RXVIP and his, his son and then his, his other family members and the kids. And we just got up to speed on, you know, on life. And he said to me, I have to thank you. I said, why? Why do you have to thank me? What the hell did I do? He says, you know, you send over some, some jokes or some, you know, videos or some, you know, comments. And I have to tell you, during these last 28 days, I got to tell you, that was the only thing that was a bright light. And you, uh, you really just helped me get through this. I said, well, thank you. And I said, you know, Jerry, a lot of people send jokes out to me all the time. I get a lot of them. And, you know, you can just press, you know, send, send, send to everybody else. But I actually, when I look at a joke, I say, who is this going to, who is this really going to connect with? And I, and I, I offer a personal, personalized delivery system of the jokes. If there's something that reminded me about a joke that my father-in-law told, I would send it to my mother-in-law, Annie. And I would say there was one about the, you know, about a white collar prison that reminded us about exactly the joke that Bernie used to tell. So I sent it to her. I said, this was about Bernie. And she, you know, she thanks you for that. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff going around. Some of it's hysterical. Some of it is inappropriate. Some of it is you don't want to share. It's like, uh, you know, you know, it's not good, <laughs> not good to share because everybody's sending stuff. But if you take a personalized approach to the health of other people by sending the right joke, you're doing, you're a provider, you're a healthcare provider. So I'm going to be calling the state board of pharmacy to tell them that their requirements for uh, becoming a pharmacist are way out. They should just be on what jokes you send and how many people uh, you put a smile on their face. So anyway, it's Ken Sternfeld for the Concierge Hub, thanking God that Jerry and his lovely wife, Phyllis, are doing well, thanking God that the people who are getting released from the hospitals, coming off the respirators, are going to get back a semblance of reality and regularity into their life, and praying to God that the movement to liberate states and liberate cities and liberate um, people to go out for economic reasons does not take the place of lives. So whatever happens, realize that there's nothing that can replace the, the loss of a human life. Not a paycheck, okay? Not a stimulus package, uh, not uh, you know a smile from a waiter at the corner or a restaurant or, or even the corner drugstore. Maintain your social distancing. Listen to your governance within your municipalities. Whatever they say, they know. They have the data. They have the research, okay? What goes on in Washington stays in Washington because unless they do something, to help us locally. It's just a bunch of hot air. And it's not political. 
does, has nothing to do with political, whether you like him, you don't like him. When you like Pelosi, you don't like Pelosi. The man who stepped up, in my opinion, and I'm only entitled to opinion, to me, the commander-in-chief of this COVID crisis is Andrew Cuomo, and I, I am thankful that I live in a state that he governs. It's Ken Sternfeld for the Concierge Hub. Stay safe, stay healthy, and count your blessings every day before, God forbid, some of those scenarios you won't be able to count. Take care, and we'll talk to you soon.